0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program has been brought to you by Consider Bardwell Farm, the first cheesemaking co-op in Vermont. For more information, visit www.considerbardwellfarm.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: Hello, this is Cutting the Curd, and I'm Diane Stemple. It's my last show filling in for Anne Saxelby, who returns next week. It's been an exciting and fun-filled three months, talking cheese, interviewing cheese people, discussing cheese issues, serious and silly, and focusing on the dedication and quirkiness of cheese people on their various cheese paths. So today, I'm delighted to introduce Kate Arding. Hello. Hello, Kate. A respected member of the cheese community for, I think, over twenty years.
3: Yeah, and a quirky one. And to a your quir- last point. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I figured the British accent yeah. would be good too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she is um, now known as one of the co-founders of Culture Magazine, which is really a most amazing magazine. It it still feels new. Uh, it's a national cheese magazine, and it's known among other things for having a cheese centerfold, which in every issue, which is very cool. And so, uh, Kate, I wanted to interview a little bit about your cheese career because that's what I've been focusing on with people.
3: How long have you got? <laughs> well,
2: we don't have that long. No, we don't have that long. But I'll, I'll, uh, I'll coach you. Oh, there we go. <laughs> anyway, what did you study in school? Oh
3: dear. That's not a good. <laughs> Certainly not cheese. Well, not nobody cheese. nobody did. No, I know. Nobody I know. studied cheese. So I, I'd always loved eating cheese, but mm-hmm. I didn't really. I didn't really come from a particularly sort of foodie family. Oh, that um, was my next question. No, well, not my immediate family, but but I have um, an uncle who started a mustard making business, um, which is still going strong. And uh, that was really how I got into the cheese business. But that's a little later, I guess. Okay. But, so, but did you study in England or America? I studied in England. Mm-hmm. And I, I came to the States uh, 15 years ago, in 97. Okay. okay. What did you major in? Do you, do you major? I in didn't. In- oh, okay. I didn't. I'm ashamed to say I actually got expelled from school.
1: <laughs> oh, no.
2: Oh, no. I didn't ask yeah. you ahead of time. I don't <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's okay. It's all right. I've done my final exams.
2: What did you get expelled
3: for? Well, I'm not sure that we can put that oh, on there, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay.
2: There's no there's – no, um, nobody's nobody's was, listening, no, and there are no rules on this
3: statement. <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't actually as bad as I'm sure everybody's imagining right now, but I was um, – The young Kate Arden. I was the consummate practical joker, mm-hmm. and I went one practical joke too far okay. and uh, and got caught, which okay. was the – which was the big failing, because up until that time, I got away with murder and, and uh, nobody would squealed on me. Okay. And, and then, then they uh, had to make an example out of you? Kind of, yeah. Okay. And it was, but I was a little bit carefree at that point, because I'd actually taken my final exams, and so it didn't actually matter. Okay. <laughs> so How did
2: your parents react to your being well, expelled? Well, I'm not
3: sure they really quite realized. I was sort of asked to leave early. Okay. So I just sort of snuck off rather quietly. <laughs> <So it was laughs> okay.
2: Now, my next question is: What was your very first food job?
3: Well, actually, it was kind of funny because leading straight on from that, you know, I had this um, this vision in my head that I had a whole summer, long, extra long summer vacation ahead of me, and um, I got home from this. It was a boarding school, so and uh, I got home for for the holidays. Um, and much to my horror, found out that my mother had signed me up to work in this local hotel as a chambermaid. Oh. <laughs> so the, bang goes my vision of a sort of leisurely summer holiday, and so I start off, yeah, as this chambermaid. Oh you my know, goodness! And um, I'd like to. See, did you have to wear a uniform, Diana? <laughs> I'd like to see pictures. <laughs> I don't, I don't, no, I didn't. I oh, didn't. okay. But I did find some really weird stuff in the bedrooms. I remember pulling pulling back the bedclothes on one particular bed. Sorry, don't look too worried. And I'm um, finding a full life-size cutout of Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> this being about 1984, it was a little bit surprising. Complete oh with handbag. <laughs> so, um, But anyway, I, I, that's how I started off. And then in the space of about two or three weeks, and it was quite a nice hotel. It was quite a sort of grown-up, sort of what they call in, in England the country house hotel. Mm-hmm. The breakfast chef walked out and... Um, and the owners came running up to me. I mean, I was 18. I didn't know anything about commercial cooking at all. And mm-hmm. she said, well, how do you feel? You know, would you like to give it a go? And I thought, okay, you know. <laughs> and I mean, the thing is about breakfast in England, it's not just sort of bacon and eggs. It's sort of kippers and kedgeree mm-hmm. and, I mean, all this stuff. I mean, and I was like, looking through all my mum's recipe books thinking, oh, my God, how do I make this? But somehow I pulled it off and nobody got food poisoning. So... Yeah, it was that was my first introduction, a rather chaotic one, uh-huh. I'm sure, but to the food world. Yeah,
2: how long did you last?
3: Oh, uh, the summer. No, okay. I, I, I finally, um, I said I did end up going to college um, in the fall, mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah, I did it for the whole summer. Okay. So it was good.
2: Yeah. So tell me the story of how you fell in love with cheese. Well,
3: <clears throat> it sort of was a gradual process. Okay. But. Um, my very first job was, um, my first grown-up job, was working for the National Trust in England, and um, my boss at the time, who became a great friend of mine, um, was a wonderful cook, and she was always having these rather grown-up dinner parties, and, um, and I was pretty young, you know, so and we became great friends, and in the lunch hour she would go shopping for these, part- you know, for food, for these dinner parties, and she introduced me to this cheese shop, in kensington in london which was called, called. jeroboam's mm-hmm. and at the time it was run it was owned and run by juliet harbert oh, who's now okay. you know Who a we well-known know. figure and i remember going in there you know with with my friend and and just seeing all these cheeses on straw mats and thinking oh my god this is amazing you know and I'd never seen anything like it and just the smell and the whole thing was just so seductive and I didn't know anything Were they it. mostly European at that point? Yes mm-hmm. a lot of, lot of French a mm-hmm. lot of French cheeses and um, you know I'd buy my little sort of wedge of brie or Pave Defenoir and sort of mm-hmm. I was being frightfully sophisticated you know <laughs> and, uh, and then I would go back in there and and I you know the following week or whenever and I'd say that cheese I had last week was amazing you know what can you recommend? And and uh, and then Juliet, who can be quite scary. Mm-hmm. Even I mean, we're we're still friends, you know. <laughs> she could be quite frightening at times. Um, would ask me to describe, you know, what I'd what had. you liked yeah. before. And I said, well, it was just kind of yellow and <laughs> had a white rind. You know? she said, no, no, what did it taste like? And of course, I didn't have a clue how to describe. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, not many people do <laughs> you know, when they're just sort of shopping for cheese. And it was actually one of the best lessons. I ever had, you know, because she, it really started, to, because I was frightened of her, mm-hmm. and yes, I really wanted to get this cheese, mm-hmm. it made me kind of think about what I was tasting in, in a slightly more analytical way. So she was a really good cheesemonger. She was. Even though she was a little she intimidating. Was. She was. I mean, I've, I've talked about it with her subsequently, you know, mm-hmm. much later. And she said, well, you know, I was in her New Zealand accent. She said, you know, I only asked you that because I couldn't remember what you bought the week before, <laughs> which, of course, now I totally can relate to but at the time. She right. put the fear of God into me. So that, right. was, the, that was the first introduction to proper, proper mm-hmm. cheese, as it were. So when did you switch to working in cheese? Well, I'd, um, I was, as I say, in the art world for a number of years. And through a long-winded series of events, which would take all night to re- relate to you, I ended up actually in New York mm-hmm. um, on, a, on a special project that t- took about a year. Which was a finite, um, and was that your
2: first time living in America? Yes, and mm-hmm. I was
3: just so seduced by it. So I remember coming in from JFK and mm-hmm. seeing the steaming manhole covers and the signs saying don't walk, it was just like starring in your own movie, it was fantastic. <laughs> and what uh, year was that? Uh, 89, okay, eighty-nine, ninety, And but it was a fixed term contract, so mm-hmm. and I was all gung ho to stay and. even lined up jobs and stuff but which then didn't come off but so to make a long story short I ended up going back to England and I wasn't ready for it at all you know I was I was completely you didn't
2: have a job lined up no I Mm -hmm. mean I
3: was 24 and I thought I knew it all you Mm -hmm. know and so suddenly I was living at home again with mom and dad (laughs) and uh, my cousin my first cousin who went into the mustard making business after his father Mm -hmm. um, called me up and said well how do you want to help us out for six months and and I thought great you know Mm -hmm. because I'd actually was really admired what they were doing Mm -hmm. but they'd been too small to really hire anybody else and uh, his wife was actually on maternity leave so I went and helped out and actually ended up staying about three and a half years Ah. um, and developing the sort of sales and marketing side and deliveries and filling mustard pots with so, kind of, of learning of a food business the thing. from the ground up. Yeah, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I just loved it; mm-hmm. absolutely loved it. And one of the places I delivered to, because um, I used to love doing the London, the, the London run. I bet uh, I can w- guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Neil's Yard, Yard, there, right? And I just <laughs> walked in there, and and it was just like Was that when it was in Covent Garden. Yes, mm-hmm. and it was it was like nothing else I'd ever seen. I mean, there were there were definitely high end food stores mm-hmm. around but this was 1992 mm-hmm. 91 92 and the thing that struck me so immediately about neil's Yard as opposed to other places was the as a customer or just as a visitor you immediately felt drawn in you know whereas in other shops i mean you could get very high quality food um but they're You're not so welcoming. Not so welcoming. Mm-hmm. And there was that sort of snobby mm-hmm. kind of approach. And it was very, yeah, it was very seductive. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was sort of, so yeah, I ended up eventually going to work there. Mm-hmm. And what did you do first
2: for Neil's Yard?
3: Oh, well, I I was very clear. It was a funny thing because I think I've, because i had been delivering to a lot of restaurants and um, places for the mustard business. Mm-hmm. Um, Tracklements it was called, is called, um, I'd sort of got a very keen interest in the restaurant side, so it was quite clear that I wanted to work on the wholesale side of of, at the dairy. Um, And as luck would have it, they were looking for someone. And funnily enough, my uncle, um, the mustard uncle, uncle, (laughs) William, um, and Randolph had actually Randolph Hodgson of Neil's Yard had collaborated on. sharing a shipping container to export stuff to the states and in fact my my first memory of of Randolph was actually um coming down to to the mustard making factory which was tiny it was Mm -hmm. in an old bakery Mm -hmm. at the time in the middle of Wiltshire and I I literally lived above it in Mm -hmm. in what had been the old flower loft (laughs) converted I hate that (laughs) and uh I remember coming coming hearing this knock on the front door it was on a Saturday morning and I was still in my pajamas (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and there was Randolph standing at the bottom of the stairs to meet with lost. your uncle. Yes, to meet with him. He obviously got lost. And um and that was the very first time we met. So who would have thunk it you oh, know, all great. these years later. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so how many different
2: cheese jobs have you had?
3: Well, not that many. I think mm-hmm. people people I think people have this impression I bounce around a lot, but actually I was at Neil's Yard for um well between 93 and 97 okay and then i moved to california to help sue conley and peggy smith start cowgirl which and was modeled after which was modeled Neal's after neil's yard largely mm-hmm. and um so that was 97 to 2004 mm-hmm. and then i kind of, then i did sort of break out a little bit I, I right you took a break i did take a break and i went off i'd sort of into Africa? I did. It was a little bit... <laughs> <laughs> that's when I met you. Yes, you were it, on your way to Africa. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And what I, did you
2: do in Africa?
3: Well, I I got involved in this project um, with a friend of mine who's a, a veterinarian there, large animal veterinarian. Um, and She was working in a very remote part of northeastern Uganda mm-hmm. and um, with this warrior tribe called mm-hmm. the Karamjong. Mm-hmm. And I went out to visit her. And I was completely hooked. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just so sort of seductive. I keep using that word today. But uh, anyway, it was very, very seductive. It was, talk about one extreme to the other. I mean, the, the contrast from from the Bay Area to um, northeastern Uganda was quite extreme. <laughs> i <I'm> sure. <laughs> but I was sort of ready for it. You So know, first I, you went for a visit and I then went you came visit. back? I went for a visit and I I was really struck by everything. Mm-hmm. I'd never been to Africa before. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, people say that it does that to you and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of pulls you in. And it absolutely did for me. And so what I did was I then had to figure out a way of how to get back there. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was going through um, the whole green card process, which was hell on wheels. Mm -hmm. And so ironically, I was only allowed to be out of the country for 90 days at a time. Mm -hmm. So... What happened was a friend of mine who was actually a former cheesemaker at Cowgirl who'd done a lot of work in Tanzania said or suggested to me, he said, you know, you need to get in touch with Land lakes, you Mm -hmm. know, the the big... The butter people. The butter people. Mm -hmm. And I said, really? You know, he said, yes, because they have this phenomenal international dairy development arm. And I said, you know, I have no idea. And Mm -hmm. I don't understand it because they don't publicize it at Mm -hmm. all. And anyway, so this, I sort of went online and started looking, and of course they had all these forms to fill out, which of course I didn't fit any of the criteria because Mm -hmm. I hadn't majored in anything to your earlier point. (laughs) And so um, I just said, uh, I I decided to take the bull by the horns and I just called their office in Uganda and I said, you, basically, I'm really sorry to bother you, you have no idea who i am but this is i want to come work i want to come you. and work with you and mm-hmm. i'll volunteer my um my expertise such as i had you know for three weeks or four weeks or however long you want if you can cover airfare and board and lodging because as you can imagine the the airfare from san francisco to to um it's in mm-hmm. not inexpensive right <laughs> especially right. if you're commuting every three months so they they a bit surprised not you know and then they said okay you know we'll do it and so what i would do is go out and work with them for about three or four weeks in primarily in, in southern part of the countries and the southwest which is actually incredibly rich and lush and it, it's the area where the gorillas as in Mm -hmm. Um, G-O-R-I-L-L-A-S. It's very fertile and there's a lot of dairying down Mm -hmm. there. Um, So I'd go and help them on various projects there. And then I, you know, once that was done, I would go up country and and go and help out this friend of mine, you know, in in the northeast. It was really an amazing, amazing interlude. And I did that for about two years. Well, it's time
2: for us to take a break. Uh, So since we've heard about your break from cheese, we'll take a break and we'll be back with Cutting the Curd.
1: You're listening to This Body by Pamela Royal on the Heritage Radio Network.org. We'd like to send a special thank you to our latest business member, Consider Bardwell. 300-acre Consider Bardwell Farm was the first cheesemaking co-op in Vermont, founded in 1864 by Consider Stebbins Bardwell himself. A century later, Angela Miller, Russell Glover, and Chris Gray are revitalizing the tradition. Their cheeses are made by hand in small batches from whole, fresh milk that is antibiotic and hormone-free. Only microbial rennet is used in their cheesemaking. All cheeses are aged on the farm in their extensive system of caves. For more information or to purchase cheese, visit considerbardwellfarm.com. To learn more about becoming a business member, email us, info at heritageradionetwork.org. We all know what a foodie is, but what's foodiness?
2: Foodiness is turning us into those chubby, slushy, slurping, lounge chair-bound morons in Wally, plugged in, pumped full of sugar, and brain dead.
1: Chef Erica Wides is here to fight against foodiness.
2: You have to keep drinking the Let's Get Real Kool-Aid for
1: it to start to work. Let's Get Real. Rediscover real food every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
2: Hello, it's Diane Stemple, Cutting the Curd with Kate Arding from Culture Magazine, and we're discussing her career, and now I want to ask her some questions, um, the first of which is, isn't it dreamy working for Culture Magazine? It is. It just. It is. It's really. <laughs>
3: it's been a blast. And it it
2: seems like everyone loves the magazine. Well, I mean, is that just cheese people, or do you get good reviews from
3: consumers? Well, I think it's equally uh, read by the trade and and the consumer, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. which was, I mean, it wasn't our original intention. Actually, I mean, the the vision was very much that it's a consumer publication. Right. That's what I thought. Um, but when we were sort of sitting around in the sort of drunken wee small hours of, mm-hmm. of trying to formulate the company, <laughs> um, which is really how it started. Um, and what year was it being? 2007. Okay. And uh, we we thought, well, if we do a consumer publication the chances are, and we do it hopefully well, you know, the Mm -hmm. chances are it'll be read by the trade. Right. But if we do a trade publication, it'll never be read by the consumer, or rarely. That makes sense. So... It won't be in the right places to be purchased. And it's just a different, you know, tempo and and sort of Mm -hmm. style altogether. So, you know, we've been so lucky, and we've... I mean, it's really such a collaborative effort. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's amazing to think we've... Well, we're in our fifth year Mm -hmm. now, Mm -hmm. and... um, you know i remember going around sort of the acs the american cheese society conference in the summer of 2008 with this little flimsy prototype and, uh-huh. <laughs> and we were so excited and showing it to everybody and they were reaction well oh, that's nice good luck with that you know <laughs> in and and somehow here we are but it, it's been so so you were uh, you were worried at first how would it be received well we weren't really that worried we just did it oh, okay, i think okay. and, i mean we probably should have been worried uh-huh. um and i think of course what did happen between the su- that summer 2008 and our the launch of our first issue which was december 2008 mm-hmm. was the kind of world fell apart mm, and and, right. in, and in that sort of interim the economy tank yeah it really okay. tanked, And and a lot of people not without reason said you know if you continue with this idea, you're absolutely nuts.
2: It's a terrible time to start anything. It's a anything. terrible
3: time to start anything, and especially in publishing. And we yeah. said, yes, we know. Well, but, <laughs> and but we went ahead anyway. Right, but so, you're there. I mean, what were you going to do? Just it, abandon? Well, ship? and it's a it's a huge testament to to the people who've who've pulled it together and and Mm -hmm. really up until very recently we've been a very very small well we still are a small team but we Mm -hmm. were a tiny team Mm -hmm. uh, and also the support of an enormous number of people in the Mm -hmm. industry i mean there's no way we could have done it without that so it's but in that in the process you know we've learned a huge amount i mean Mm -hmm. i've learned a massive amount Mm -hmm. i mean i remember the sort of um early meetings and i was sort of saying things like well i think we should do an article on alpine cheeses and everybody is saying well what's an alpine cheese you know and and that (laughs) were you the cheese expert on the committee well yes and and that was and but you know what it taught me so much because Uh it it was really useful because it made me start to understand things from a from a consumer standpoint again having been very much obviously on the trade side um so it's been enormously enlightening i mean truly every issue I learned something. You it's know, a very
2: lush magazine. I mean, it's so, I, I just was looking at the recent issue and was drooling again well, even though I've already looked at it. Well, you're very kind. It's, uh, but, I think everyone loves it.
3: Well, it, it's really, as I say, it's been really fun and continues to be fun and, and now we're sort of getting to the next level um, in terms of developing the website even more. We have a, a wonderful new web editor, um, Amy Sherman, and we have a, a sort of nearly full-time social media person Rebecca and they've just been I have um, noticed a lot of culture on my Facebook well it's that fantastic thing you know because here we are all these sort of old fogies or middle-aged fogies Mm -hmm. well I speak for myself and um and both Rebecca and uh, Amy are are 20 somethings and the productivity has gone through the roof right you need that age (laughs) you need that age you do so it's been great shot in the arm for all of us
2: so um, how do you, do you know
3: how many people buy it versus how many? Can you just get it online now? We, we haven't got to the point yet where you put the magazine online mm-hmm. because I think uh, we're not against that. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're definitely looking at um, doing that through sort of the iPad sort of right.
2: thing. And it seems like a lot of magazines have just recently been offering both.
3: They have, and, and we're definitely open to that. We're mm-hmm. looking at that very closely. Uh, we're also looking at apps. Um, mm-hmm. But in the same um, breath, because we're quarterly and we also have this print publication, the, a lot of the feedback we get, especially from people like myself who's you know over 35 years old, um, is that they still really favor the print thing and mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot of um, anticipation about their copy arriving every right quarter and mm-hmm. they sort of put aside you know a couple of hours on a sunday morning just to read it which is fantastic but that said you know we're also acutely aware that of course there are a, a whole slew of younger people out there who are actually getting and wanting to get their right. information in a completely different way right so yes we're very much moving towards that right mm-hmm. now but we want to but we have to be careful that one doesn't cannibalise the other, right? So it's it's a little bit of a balance right. we'll because the up.
2: articles and the pictures will be different when they're online. I mean, online
3: pictures are great, but you might not see them all. Exactly. Um, but then I think, in the same breath, you know, there's a lot of stuff that the web um, and and that sort of side of things lends it, digital lends itself to mm-hmm. that you ca- can't actually reproduce in mm-hmm. the magazine, like video, for right. example. So. Right. What we've done right now is we're developing and, and have developed a very robust companion website which is, has a lot of ancillary information um, which relates to the content of the magazine and a lot more above and beyond that. So you can go more in depth. Exactly, exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, can you tell me how the centerfold idea came about? That was my idea. <laughs> I thought I remembered that. <laughs> And it I don't know what it says about my uh, <laughs> my state of mind. But. How many issues have there been? Also,
3: uh, well, the first issue was December two thousand and eight, and
2: what cheese was in that centerfold? Winnemere, okay, yeah, <laughs> Go Winnemere, very, Hill. very, exactly that big sort of oozy, s- <laughs> sexy cheese, s- <sexy> s- exactly, <laughs> exactly, and um, and you've had a centerfold every other issue. We have, and we have. you, you, it was your idea.
3: Yes, I mean, we all agreed on it, you know, Mm -hmm. it was just sort of, again, it's amazing what can, the creative juices. It was a phenomenal idea. (laughs) Well, yeah. It's very visual cheese. It is, it is. And of course, the the only thing that we found is that the, um, inevitably, the sort of oozy, soft ones Mm -hmm. tend to have a bit more kind of, cheese appeal if i can put it that way um than the hard than the firmer ones yeah exactly but as opposed to other things yeah we won't go there yeah Um, but it it's uh but there's still it's a wonderful opportunity to to do a sort of big splash on on Mm -hmm. one Mm -hmm. on one cheese yeah and how often is it american versus european we try to actually it's a really good question because I think one of the things that probably a lot of people don't realize is the amount of planning that goes into not just each issue, mm-hmm. but also across, you know, six or eight issues. Because we actually have a giant matrix, mm-hmm. if you like, and we plot everything out in Trying advance. Trying to balance exactly so geography is a huge one mm-hmm. S- uh, cow sheep goat right um, as it should e- be even the gender of the cheese maker okay um, the scale of the operation uh-huh. you know mm-hmm. large versus small yeah p- um because otherwise inadvertently you want to be fair absolutely and it's really important to to represent i mean there's a lot of different as as you know you know better than anyone a lot of different people in the industry mm-hmm. and you know there's some of the good stories I mean of course inevitably one thinks all the best stories in inverted commas come from smaller scale mm-hmm. producers but that's not the case actually at all there's some right. great stories from larger scale mm-hmm. guys and and um, some really good stuff going on which doesn't get sort of shouted about often enough so mm-hmm. it's it's been fascinating as I said earlier I've learned so much it's mm-hmm. really helped to get me out of my little kind of narrow rut mm-hmm. as it were mm-hmm. it's been a very good Good exercise it
2: seems like a great job and you and the magazine is doing a great job of presenting the cheese industry and the cheese community really well
3: well well thank you so much i mean it i mean the way referred to it is the sort of megaphone for the industry mm-hmm. actually because if i mean there's some really fabulous stuff going on within the industry mm-hmm. so it's a very symbiotic relationship you know, I mean, if if it's just we're just telling the story of what's actually happening. Mm-hmm.
2: You know. And do you every year have the American Cheese Society awards, or is that new? Is that
3: no? We've done that the last uh, three years okay. now, and in fact, this year t- twenty thirteen, <clears throat> we're actually going to an insert in every issue, and then we're also having a standalone extra issue. Oh, great! Uh, which is going to be appearing later on in the year, uh, which is going to be a roundup of of kind of the world's best. Cheeses. So Ooh. I hope I haven't blown it by oh, okay. saying that. But no, anyway, um, nobody's listening, right? Nobody's listening. <laughs> no, no, no. So yeah, we're we're really kind of ramping it up, and and um, this uh, this upcoming spring issue is going to have a whole chef insert. So.
2: Okay. Okay. Lastly, I want to just say this is my last show on Cutting the Curd, and I want to thank Anne Saxelby for giving me this great opportunity to host Cutting the Curd for three months. And I want to thank the people at Heritage Radio Network who have been so helpful and welcoming and supportive. Joe Galarraga, my engineer, who's waving at me from the next room to stop talking, and Aaron Fairbanks, the executive director, and Jack Inslee, the executive producer. And I also want to thank all my guests who have been so enthusiastic to join me on the show. And Robertus, who has fed us great food afterwards. And I want to thank you, Kate Arding, for being my last guest and for being so accommodating to drive down in the snow to be here.
3: Well, I'm very honored. And you've done a wonderful job over the last few weeks, too. Thank you very much. thank you.
2: And it's Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
1: Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.